from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, 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 all of our friends and family and fans out there. Welcome to the show, Signs of Life by American Awakening. You know who we are. We're here every day coming to you live from around the country. Everybody here is in some place different. We're here bringing you uh, sort of the best of the good news of the day, reminding you that you're made for this season, that God's with us, He's He loves us, and with Him, there's nothing we can't do. We've got a great show for you guys today. We've got music uh, from Nashville, and we've got, uh, of course, our friend Dan Hazeltine from Nashville as well. We're going to kick it off this morning with our house band. You know him, you love him, JBJ. What you got for us this morning? Heavenly Father, you always amaze me. Let your kingdom come in my world and in my life. Give me the food I need to live through today. And forgive as I forgive them.
Yes, I love it. Such a good classic song. Thanks so much, Josh. Really appreciate that. Thank you. We're going to have a great show today as Marissa teased out earlier. We've got uh, the Nashville scene coming to you, but Nashville scene is going to bring us some Austin music today. We're looking forward to that. And a little Mighty Ducks theme today, Stand Together, Fly Together. Come on, come on, come on. Sometimes it's so good. Stand Together, Fly Together. You got to let people know what they're looking forward to, right? All right. Okay. One day we get spoilers. Okay. <laughs> All right, Joel Sirby, what do you got for us in Florida today? Hey, everybody. Coming to you from Florida today, uh, where the debate over masks is raging in my community. I don't know about you, but, and you know, it makes me think of how many ways that we can find to disagree with one another and how many ways that we can divide one another and how life can really be tough when you're trying to do life with people who have different viewpoints about the world, about politics and religion and sexuality and all kinds of cultural issues. As we talk this week about uh, radical togetherness and the radical us here during the Daily Dose, I want to just tell a quick story about how this has impacted my life in my family. And it's kind of a funny one, but I think it's a good little lesson, which is uh, our family hosted for about five years what we call microchurch uh, at our house, which is part of our kind of community in our, our faith family. And we had all kinds of different people coming in and out of there, uh, people who were like us, people who were not, people who looked like us, people who didn't. Rich, poor, left, right, uh, you know, lots of different kinds of folks in and out of there, and lots of kids as well. And in our yard, we have these beautiful wildflowers. They're actually blooming right now. And my wife absolutely loves them. And so much so, even though there's like 20,000 of them in our yard, we have five acres, uh, she scolds the kids that they step on them because you wouldn't want to lose one. Well, one night, uh, we're in microchurch. All the adults are inside. The kids are all playing outside. We come out after our group, and the children, along with the babysitters who were supposed to be supervising, have decided it would be a good idea to rip up all the flowers. And, I mean, they were there were flowers in hair, flowers scattered all over the yard. I mean, it was, it was like a flower uh, Armageddon out there. And, you know, I was very proud of my wife, who is a little more hot-tempered than me. I love you, baby. Um, and she came out, we all came out, and here were these flowers, just devastated. And at that moment, you're faced with this question, you know, because every week you invite people into your home. And I know we're not doing that right now, but I hope that we are not going to isolate when we're going to invite people into our lives digitally and stay connected in different ways. And then as we re-engage, when you invite people into your life— Sometimes things happen that you didn't expect and that you don't like. And so here we were faced with this decision about what we were going to do and how we were going to react. And I'm not saying we always get it right, but what ended up happening was we had a blast pulling all these flowers together, making bouquets, making little crafts, sending everyone home with a bouquet. And what ended up happening in the long run was by making those choices, not only did it become a time of joy and connectedness and a great story, but all the flowers that got scattered that night have since uh, gone to seed, and we have even more flowers. And so I, I think that's a great uh, a picture of what happens when we allow ourselves in radical togetherness to let our lives get upset a little bit, push through it, and come out on the other side. And that's your Daily Dose today. That's awesome, Joel. Uh how are you feeling today, Jeff? Good, guys. Okay, funny. I Probably one of my favorite studies. This one's hel actually hilarious because I actually can't believe it's true. So Harvard study and I think Kent State University joined together on this one. And they wanted to study how people 
what people notice and how much they notice about their immediate environment when like different variables are happening and stuff like this. <laughs> I literally can't believe this, but it's true. And so what they did is one study they set up that actually kind of got really popular and then went on to actually kind of uh, create more research and stuff around this concept I think they call uh, of uh, change blindness is what we called. What they would do is they would have an actor come up to people on college campuses and just basically do small talk. Then in the middle of that small talk, they would have two guys, kind of like maybe construction workers or something, I think, be holding a wooden door and they would the, the guys would walk in between the two people, right? Uh, to kind of block it. And they would stand there for like three to five seconds, before, like maybe say they drop something or need to adjust something in between the two people talking. So they break the conversation and then keep moving. After they moved, the person behind the door was a new person. So it was like, so the, the actor swapped with another actor and over, <laughs> this is insane, over half of the people, when they continued the conversation after that, didn't know that it was a new person. They, they just, they just like, <laughs> the, the person just carried on with the conversation as if nothing had changed, even though the actual human behind the door had changed entirely. Um, and again, this actually went on to kind of start this kind of whole area of research is called change blindness. And what it basically found is that we actually rely a lot more on like cues and patterns and interpreting data to make it easy in our mind rather than interpreting all the little details all the time. We're not very observant, basically, is what we realize. And we rely on a lot of like kind of a subconscious processing. And I was thinking of this study, and I think the perfect story that fits in with it is that story of Jesus, right? Where it's the woman who touches just the hem of his clothing. And he's in this cr huge crowd. And he's, what does he say? Jesus says, someone touched me. He stops and says, someone touched me. Now the disciples say, we're in a huge crowd, like a million people touched you. But Jesus had the spiritual discipline of noticing others. And so he knew when someone really touched him, the woman who needed him, who needed healing, who needed to find him. And to me, I'm like, man, that is what we should be pursuing, even though by default, a lot of us don't notice. A lot of us don't pay attention. But when you follow Jesus, the person who notices others more than anyone else, you begin to cultivate that spirit as well. And I think that's something to chew on for today that we can be encouraged in is that we are called to notice others. We are called to pay attention. And it is a discipline and a practice. But when you follow Jesus being led by the spirit with your eyes open, the world around you becomes way different and a lot more able to be seen. And that's what I think something to chew on for today. That is quite a story. I mean, can you believe that? Like, is that hilarious? That is great. <laughs> that is great. Uh, so let's roll over to the wow. So that's happening segment with Calvin. Going to bring us some crazy stories in this crazy, crazy, crazy Corona world we're living in. Yeah, I don't know about crazy stories, but we are bringing you some stories. So today is Teacher Appreciation Day. And if there has ever been a time when we need to express our love and appreciation for our teachers, it's now. So teachers everywhere, from our Signs of Life, American Awakening community, thank you for everything you do. Also, Verizon, Michaels, Rosetta Stone, Costco, and many other restaurants across the country, uh, they want to express their gratitude to you as well by offering you discounts throughout the week. Um, so go please take advantage of it all. Also, Nike is donating 30,000 pairs of shoes to health systems and hospitals in cities across the United States. Uh, the AirZoom Pulse, which was released in November 2019, is the company's first shoe designed for the healthcare athlete. Now, Nike is partnering with Good360, a nonprofit that specializes in the efficient distribution of product uh, donations to help deliver the shoes to workers all across the country. 
So Nike said in its uh, press release that the effort is led by messages of gratitude to healthcare professionals. From one athlete to another, Nike athletes recognize the physical and mental resilience of healthcare athletes. So there it is, a few beautiful stories of what's going on today and that the light of our compassion and generosity and gratitude can be a powerful thing in this world. So I think that leads us into our discussion topic of the day. Over to you, Marissa. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Calvin. Yes, despite all of our giving to one another and finding ways to come together, um, there's actually been a growing movement. I don't know if you guys have uh, have heard about it sort of formally. I think we've probably all heard about it and assumed uh, that things were going on, but you know, even if you didn't know specifically. But so people are being referred to as social distancing vigilantes. Now I know you know we in this country we we love we love a good vigilante we you know the '70s had a whole bunch of vigilante movies you know it's it's like a, a distinctly American concept I think but anyway these people are people who again are frustrated because uh, people aren't wearing masks they're not uh, closing non-essential businesses they are um, you know gathering in groups that are much larger than you know ten or uh, what's been classified by states as you know what's right um, and so. A lot of people are sort of turning into informants. They're calling police. They're calling um, public health authorities and employers of people who are uh, violating social distancing decrees. And so these people are using sort of any form of communication they can land on. They're uh, outing people through uh, social media. People are posting on Facebook and Insta. They're taking pictures of people and sort of showing them in different capacities. They're using sort of neighborhood communication boards. They're making up huge posters and putting them on sort of um, poles, you know, light poles outside. They're putting flyers on cars. People are outing people in whatever way they can. Um, and so in this battle between folks, it seems like there are these two sides that have arisen. One, people who feel feel like they need to go to any lengths necessary to protect sort of public health and that, that it's actually their civic duty to be reporting folks. And then there are these other people who feel like anything that's sort of even remotely in that sort of space of sort of ratting out people or calling authorities on people, it sounds like it's, you know, evidence of some sort of totalitarian uh, government or establishment that we find ourselves in. Um, and what's even more interesting is, again, a lot of our cities and towns are actually encouraging this kind of uh, vigilantism by setting up phone numbers and uh, email addresses so people can sort of report in behavior as they see it. But cities like uh, New York, Boston too, there have been lots of cities that have been so overwhelmed by people's responses to these phone lines or to email addresses that they've actually had to shut some things down because they can't handle the influx of all the photos and, uh, and the emails. So guys, my question to you today is we as folks of faith who have been uh, called peacemakers and where um, God told us we should want to be peacemakers, what should be our responsibility to our brothers and sisters, our local communities? Should we have any part in this kind of uh, vigilantism? Should we get involved or stay out? I mean, how do we encourage peace in this kind of climate? And this is a tough one. I'm going to jump in on this because it's really uh, personal to me. So my wife and I own a small retail store in a rural town in a county that is, uh, the county is very blue, progressive. Our community is very red. Uh, so we're like right in the middle of these dynamics right now. And 
you know, I have I have my feelings about uh, what the government should and shouldn't do. But I think for me, I keep coming back to this idea of like, if I'm a Jesus follower, I got to be asking the question, am I, you know, only looking out for my own interest or am I looking to the interests of others? And and so like, when I think about being a vigilante, I, I would personally not go that far. But, you know, I think we all should ask ourselves on either side of this is what's my motives? What are my motives here? And am I trying to like, stick it to somebody to stick it to them? Or am I really looking out for the other, you know, whichever side we're on? So that, that's kind of where I keep going back, but it's it's tough. It is. I mean, this is, you know, most times before Corona, when people would use the phrase like, this is life and death, it, it usually wasn't. But now, I mean, it kind of is. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Jeff? Um, it's an interesting debacle. And I think Joel's right. It's, it's always usually like most things, it's complex. It's kind of case by case. I think the thing I just think of is, you know, we're as Christians, we're called to be good neighbors, you know, um, in the art of neighborliness. And now fleshing that out is, is the whole answer to this. I don't, I don't know exactly that, that what that is, but I think, uh, what would it look like to be a good neighbor? Sometimes to be a good neighbor, that is kind of protecting a community, Right. And sometimes to be a good neighbor, it's maybe, you know, having a little bit more like, you don't. one thing that actually bothers me, and I'll even give a little like a, you know, metaphor or whatever with like, you know, the HOA stuff. Like to me, I, I can't stand how like when you get something, can you tell I got some bitterness here? When you, <laughs> Mow your when lawn, you get, Jeff. Yes. But when you get like a letter in the mail or something that says from the HOA that says someone, someone, some noise complaint or something with landscaping. And I'm just like literally what happened to like a real neighborhood. Like if, if I'm sawing at a time that you don't like, please come tell me. And I would be more than happy to be like, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. You know, like, oh, you work at that time. I, you can inconvenience me. Like that's what a neighborhood should do. You know what I mean? And so I think like similar with even the law stuff, like we don't always have to take it to the law. I think like take it to the relationship. You know what I mean? And it bothers me that we're so horrid at that. Like we are just horrible, probably more than any time in human history because we're so disconnected. We don't know how to do conflict, all that stuff. When it's like, take it to the relationship, like go tell a person like, oh, is that wise? Is that smart? Should you be doing that? Now I'm an Enneagram eight, so I have no problem doing this. And I think everyone else should have no problem doing this. But, uh, but yeah, so I think that's, that's one thing I would think of too, is like, man, can we keep it a little bit more organic in the relationships when you maybe want to confront or have conflict than just like taking it to the bureaucracy, you know, but that's just another two cents. Mm. No, but it, it's real. I mean, you know, people have talked for a long time that we've lost this art of neighboring, you know, how do you, do, you know, you live in a building, you've got, you know, 20 people on your floor. Do you know any of them? You know, and that's one building. You know, your, your neighborhood can be the very same way. I mean, yeah, it's interesting that in a situation like that, people who are trying to care for one another are right now ending up sort of either getting people locked up or getting them to lose their jobs. I mean, it's a, I don't know. How, what does it look like to care uh, for, for one another in such a serious time? JK, what are your thoughts on this? It's tough. You know, I think I think the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the, the idea of how divergent the perspectives are on things that are objectively true or not, right? So, so that's really tough. I mean, a, a poll came out today um, uh, showing that there are, are wildly divergent views on whether coronavirus deaths are being reported accurately. And um, uh, people on the uh, left end of the spectrum are, are inclined to believe that they're being underreported. And people on the right end of the spectrum think they're being overreported. 
Uh, and so you have a, around something which is a, is a more or less objective fact. Y- yes, there are systemic uh, reasons why they wouldn't quite get it right. Um, you know, and, and, and I could go into those details for a while. But you have pretty much everybody disagreeing about a number. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, that the numbers just come down from, you know, in tablets from on high and they're always accurate. I don't, I don't mean that. It's just that there's, there's so much um, divergence on perspective that we're struggling to do something like count a death related to a virus. And then, then, of course, it shoots through everything then, right? If you, if, you, if you don't trust even something objective, quote unquote, as a number, then you say, well, what's the relationship of the mask to the thing, to the grouping? And are you guys in a family when you're eight of you together? Or is that a group of, a, of non, non-family? You know, it, it, gets, it gets more and more complicated, layers and layers and layers, before even getting to the peacemaking bit of it all, um, Marissa, which is like, what, what a role is to play. Um, and I guess what I think about all that together is just to, I guess the peacemaking role, I suspect, is one of of having empathy with the many different perspectives, right? I mean, it, it's basically say, okay, I got it. I mean, I agree with you over there, you know, uh, one end of the spectrum or another end of the spectrum, whatever that might be, you know, the, the really hardcore, everybody should be a million miles away from each other and masks every place person to the person that's like completely libertarian and let's go out and, and, and you know, get into big crowds together right now, which, you know, whatever. Say, all right, I get where you're coming from. I don't think it's the right answer, but you know what? Let's, let's you know, let, let, me, let me sort of see where you're coming from, so... Yeah, no, totally. I mean, just this notion of trying to respect the personhood of people, regardless of sort of what that looks like. I mean, I just personally, I had to catch myself the other day. And I, I was at this stoplight and uh, there was, you know, a couple of folks, they were, you know, laughing hysterically and having a great time out on the street and they didn't have masks on or anything. And, uh, and I was like, OK, whatever. And I just sort of watched them and they sort of, you know, continued to laugh it up, have a great time cross the street, walk past a bunch of people who had masks on and go straight into a store, you know, without any masks, any gloves or anything. And they were just like, you know, you know, as if like nothing was happening. And I, I had to catch myself because I was like, wait, like, do you not see? Do you not know? And then it was like, wait, stop, Marissa. You don't know what the situation is. You don't know where you, you don't know anything about this. And so before you're going to take time out of your day and your life to get really upset about these people that you don't know and you don't understand where they're coming from or where they're going or what they're what's going on, perhaps you should just say, okay, Lord, I don't know. I, 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 I pray for their safety and uh, the safety of those around them. We've talked for the last couple of days about things being situation by situation and moment by moment. This this feels like one of those things. Um, you know, maybe there might come a time when I might have to pull my car over and go lecture someone. But I don't think it was, you know, a couple of days ago. Hmm. Calvin. I think, you know, something that you said, Marissa, which is absolutely right. Disagreements is I don't think it's something new to the moment we find ourselves in. But when things are life and death, as they seem to be now, everything is heightened. So I think part of the witness, perhaps right now, part of our call as peacemakers, especially as people of faith, is um, in the disagreements. Now, forgive me. I'm going to be a little little more radical. I'm going to push the ball a little further. You guys were talking about empathy and, and understanding. I'm, I'm wondering, is there a, a powerful witness in actually beyond just willing to understand, but to take the next step and, and choosing to love them and serve them? What does it look like to choose and love uh, the person that that disagrees with you that that seems to be putting everything in jeopardy, everything in danger, yet um, to choose them even if they won't choose you. 
So I think there's some there's a choice in being willing to understand, and there's a choice even being willing to take action and and find a way to love them. I think if we as a church could do that, I think people would see peacemakers and see peace even within us. That's good. Yeah, and Bruce, I think there's a key part about Jesus in the third way here too. Like he would very often completely change the subject. Um, and I think we can change the subject in some ways by if someone is like a vigilante on masks and public health, maybe we can have a conversation about fear because maybe that's what, what's really driving that. And if somebody's like a vigilante against the government and regulations, maybe we can have a conversation about like who's really in control and what's what really matters and what is really human flourishing. And so I think there's ways to change the subject too. Uh, absolutely fantastic, Saf. But, you know, stand together, fly together. We did promise these people we some did. mighty ducks, right? We did. So, we did. You guys already stole my thunder, but, uh, well, no, in a good way, because it was like, I'm so stoked that we mentioned it from the beginning so people could stay engaged the whole episode. <laughs> oh, best movie of all time. You picked a great one. I mean, one, two, and three. They're just phenomenal. I literally had the jersey. I just, I was terrible <laughs> at hockey, but I wanted to play just because the movie, great, great choice. One of the best movies of all time. Let's just roll the clip. We're Team USA, gathered from all across America, and we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. And just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks ducks fly fly together! together. And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly together! And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Oh, (laughs) I just love that movie. (laughs) So good. That was so. That was a huge part of my childhood. I grew up a hockey Same. player. I, Marissa, I knew you played hockey as well. But again, before game day, you got to watch D one, D two, or D three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So poor Dan has been waiting. We're keeping him on hold. Come on, Dan. What do you hey, have, Laney? You? Hello, Laney. So here we are. I'm in Nashville, and uh, my guest today uh, actually is coming to us. She's up in uh, in Kentucky. Uh, but she hails from Austin, Texas. I uh, I first met Lainey. She was working with one of my cohorts in Jars of Clay, Matt Odemark. And she was working on a project and invited me to come in and sing. Uh, and after that, I, I became more acquainted with her music and just found that her writing was just fantastic. She came out and played a few shows with us and really loved what she was doing. She is quite versatile uh, as an artist, doing a lot of work in the folk community, but then being able to shift and do a little more in the alternative space, part of a band called the Grey Lakes. Aside from just music, in, in our current culture, we know that music is, for most of us who have been doing it professionally, is actually really just a side hustle. We don't get to actually make any money doing it. And so uh, <laughs> so, so what we have here is that uh, Lainey is actually also quite the entrepreneur and has a small business. And so we're going to talk to her about that as well. But first, I just want to say welcome, Lainey Wright, to the show. Thanks for being on with us today. How are you? Doing wonderfully. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat. This is uh, something I've very much been looking forward to. <laughs> good. Well, that's good to yeah. hear. So we were able to give you something on a schedule. Yes. Uh, I could write nice. it in, which I love doing, getting to fill in my calendar. So It's yeah. good. Most people have asked me, you know, what... Uh, what's been hardest to remember. And I and I usually, I'm like, you know what? I kind of know what day of the week it is, but I have no idea what month we're in. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, don't know the date, but I know the day of the week. Yeah, I'm kind of Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we are. Uh, 
So anyway, uh, I wanted to just see, like, uh, how are you doing? I mean, this has been a very strange season for everybody, really, to to figure out how to find some footing uh, to live day to day um, as an artist, as an entrepreneur. How has this been hitting you? What have you been experiencing? Yeah, um, it has been for sure an interesting time. I mean, things have slowed way down on the work front for me, which um, has been a little bit stress inducing. Um, but I think knowing that it's a very interesting feeling knowing that we're kind of in this global situation altogether and everyone is having some sort of experience that's not the norm. And so I think while I do personally have some anxiety issues here and there and stress, and um, I know that my situation is not as, I guess, dire as a lot of people. And so just trying to keep a perspective of that and also being really inspired watching the way that communities are coming together and um, being creative and finding ways to stay connected. I think like I've been very inspired by the human spirit and the resilience of that. And so while it's easy to read headline after headline and article after article and get really stressed at the unknowns, um, I think it's been uh, more of just kind of, I've been finding hope and inspiration in the stories of the human spirit and trying to hold on to those while staying informed. Well, um, you have that guitar there, and I'm curious to know if you'd be willing to sing (laughs) at least one song for us today. Uh, I'd love to. Great. Good, Would love to. Cool. Um, well, I'll start with this song. It was originally written, um, uh, sort of inspired by my brother and his now wife. They they had a like a seven year long distance relationship across the ocean, and um, I just kind of got to see the way that love can change and the different characteristics of it. And we don't always get to see every, I think, facet of what love can be and what it can do. And so um, I'm sort of feeling this again now and how we're all in our own long distance relationships with everyone. Um, And so it's kind of uh, been interesting to see the way that we've remained connected in whatever way we've been able to and um, watching love kind of, again, take a different shape and a form um, and meet us all in the place that we need it to. Um, So this is called What Love Does. There's an ocean straight ahead You're on the other side instead On my hand A golden ring The promise you come back to me It's what love does It never minds Sometimes it leaves Sometimes it waits behind Sometimes it leaves, sometimes it waits behind You said you'd fill the space between With songs of love you'd sing to me
wait for me. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so nice. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your um, your other craft. Uh, so you've obviously a song crafter, songwriter, uh, but years ago you started becoming interest in uh, leather. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, out of context, that might sound strange, but um, but I'm actually really curious to hear what you're uh, up to these days with that and how that has evolved. So how does this all work out with you now? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, a few years back, I just developed an interest in leatherworking and I um, did an apprenticeship with a guy in Austin. And then a couple years after that, um, decided I was really enjoying it. And at the time, also the shift in music to be a little bit more um, uh, uh, for myself in a way, playing here and there, but um, not being the main focus. I found that those two things were existing together really nicely. So, um, yeah, I kind of just took the opportunity to start um, a small leather goods business. And so I have... um, a little studio space in Austin and hand make leather goods. Um, my company is called weather and story and it's a couple years old and I'm just slowly but surely trying to, you know, learn how to, how to do business stuff. <laughs> Good. Which is, it's very difficult yeah. to do that in this climate. Obviously we know yeah. the small businesses are, are suffering. Um, are you able to sort of just be patient in that? Or has it been a, just a real challenging? Have you like, yeah, where do you yeah. sit in all that now? Um, it has been a challenge the last month for sure, and uh, I think what's the good that has that I'm seeing is I've sort of taken the time to um, start learning a lot about online presence and marketing and that kind of stuff. And so, because most of my business comes from person to person events, and so I'm learning that who knows what the rest of the year is going to look like. And so, trying to just take the time to um, to learn. And, and do the side of things that I was always just easy to throw off and push off because I could go and make stuff instead and know that I would have markets to sell them at. So um, at the moment, I'm, I'm doing some online courses and trying to um, just build up my digital knowledge. <laughs> Can we find you online right now with your goods? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, weatherandstory.com is the website. Well, um, we'd love to hear another song from you as well. Sure. You, are you able to play one more? Thanks yeah, so much, Lainey, yeah. for spending a little time with us today. Um, it's great to hear you sing. It's been quite a few years now uh, since I've had the chance to connect with you, and I'm glad uh, to see you and glad to know you're doing well. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. I am very grateful for the invitation to join you guys and also just to now know about this daily encouragement. So, yeah, really, really grateful to get to be a part of it today. Um all right, well, I will play a song. This one's called Olive Tree. And um, it's one that is just sort of uh, one I like to come back to when I'm in need of just a little pick-me-up. And um, it's sort of the idea that there's always something around the corner or over the hill that we can't always see, but we know it's there. The idea that, like, even when the sun's hiding behind the clouds, it still exists and it's still doing what it's always done. Um So yeah, this is just, um, hold on to a little hope. (laughs) Uh, It's called Olive Tree. There's a place just over the hilltop Where I stand I cannot see I can faintly hear the laughter Yeah, 
That is fantastic. Great. Fantastic. Lainey, thanks so much for spending some time with us. And, uh, um, Thank thanks for being with us. Fantastic, Dan. Thanks for setting this up. Everybody out there, God loves you. Uh, God's got you. You're going to make it through this tough time. You were made to take on adversity like this and overcome it. We've gotten through tough times before. We're going to get through this now. And uh, until tomorrow, God bless you. God be with you. God strengthen you. And keep fighting the good fight. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, American Awakening. Relevant Podcast Network.